Oh, it's good to be back together again. Uh, it's good to see old friends and some new little ones. Um, it feels sort of like one of those mornings where it'd be better just to catch up and pray for each other now that we're back together. Nonetheless, having said that, <laughs> Rhythms of Grace. I was born in 1985, and um, growing up, we didn't have a TV until I think I was about eight or nine years old. And we had a lot of books and the radio and all those sorts of things. Um, and sometimes Dad would um, bring home the TV from the English department at the school where he taught, and we'd watch movies that he was teaching his students. Uh, but then when I was about eight or nine, my brother won a little 14-inch box TV in a raffle. And um, the only programs that I can remember watching were these two programs. One was called Our World, and the other was called The World Around Us. <laughs> so um, they were on Channel One, and they would run these um, nature documentaries, David Attenborough, things like that. And uh, so I used to love watching those. I used to love looking through the New Zealand Geographic and pulling out those big posters like the big Weta or the mangrove with the fish swimming through it. Does anyone remember those up on the wall? I, uh, and we were also part of the Forest and Bird Society. <laughs> so we'd <laughs> go, <laughs> go out walking and, um, on these hikes and we'd look at the forest and at birds, which is what the Forest and Bird Society do. <laughs> and... We had a great love for the earth, a great love for earthy things. But today we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Colossians, in Colossians 3, where he says, You've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So on the surface it might sound like, we should all be just hanging out, looking forward to being sucked up into the clouds one day and leaving this awful place. But that's not what Paul is talking about at all he, when he talks about earthly things. Uh, it's quite different from earthy things, which we're, you know, it's okay to love earthy things, not earthly things. So, yes, that's where I'm heading today. We've called this series Rhythms of Grace, and it's a, it's a simple look at what our life of faith is about. We're trying to keep it focused on us as a, as a church, but it's, of course it's a, our faith journey as an individual thing and it's also a shared thing. And that's what we're here for today. Uh, it's about what our life of faith involves. And last time that we were gathered here, Emma was um, teaching about how we are growing in grace and knowledge and how that doesn't come from a, a life from God or a life for God, but a life with God, is that about some that sums it up? A life with God. And before that, uh, Lloyd was, he started the series talking about surrender in our faith journey. And um, when we're seeking God's kingdom or God's presence, and that means we have to keep moving forward, keep putting ourself, ourselves off balance, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I really like that because... I think what I'm going to talk about mostly today is pilgrimage. We're pilgrims. If there's anything that you can walk away from here thinking about today, it's that we're pilgrims. 
And that's who we are in the world. We're people who are looking above, we're people looking beyond the horizon, and we're people who look ahead with hope and with expectation. And it's a destination that we don't know much about. It's a mystery. But we've tasted and we've glimpsed that, that God is good, and we've, we carry this promise that, that there's a home for us. So today I'll be mostly talking about uh, taking from Eugene Peterson, who I will happily rip off because he's one of my heroes. And I, I, he came up with, that I think, that great phrase, which is the title of the series, The Unforced Rhythms of Grace. And he has a lot to say about pilgrimage. Now, I loved what Lloyd said um, a few weeks ago about movement, but I think my thinking is a little bit different on the idea of equilibrium. There's sort of two meanings, eh? Like there's, there's uh, dynamic and, st and static equilibrium. And, you know, I've been watching all these David Attenborough shows growing up, so <laughs> when, when I think of equilibrium, I think of the sun shining on the ocean and shining on the plankton, which is eaten by the krill and eaten by all the other creatures and eventually eaten by the whales and the movement of life and that sort of dynamic equilibrium. That's... Um, that's an ecosystem that's healthy, and that's a, that's a dynamic equilibrium where all those elements are moving. They're all moving in this sort of balance that brings life. And it's, uh, it's ecstatic. And that comes from, uh, that word is, it's a pretty cool word, ecstatic. It comes from Latin and Greek, um, which comes from ecstasis. So if you're ecstatic, you're ecstasis. You're not moving. You're not still. You're not dead. You're ecstatic. And... Uh, that's, um, that's what the kingdom of God is. It's ecstatic, just like what Lloyd was talking about a few weeks ago. It's, it's movement. It's um, always moving forward, pushing ourselves off balance. But, you know, I like balance. I feel ecstatic when I'm cycling, you see. Uh, you've got to be balanced to cycle. <laughs> and uh, it's a sort of an equilibrium, isn't it? You, you've, got to, um, you've got to, you know, stay upright and, um, and keep your balance as you're moving. So how do you do that? You, you move to, to, um, to keep balanced when you're cycling. If you slow down or stop, you've got to put your foot down, otherwise you're, you're going to topple over. And it's um, a feeling that I'll never forget. Do you remember? Does anyone remember that feeling of first learning how to ride a bike? It's a feeling, I f it's like a, a physical epiphany, you know. Um, I remember crashing a lot. <laughs> we we lived um, really lucky. We we're really lucky to live in a cul-de-sac that um, backed onto the Unitech campus in Mount Albert. Lots of empty car parks in the weekends and empty roads. So I learnt to cycle there and I learnt to drive there as well, and to um, ride a motorbike there too. It's been a real, it's a great been a, a great place to learn how to get balanced. Um, so it was a physical epiphany, this um, thing after crashing on your bike as a kid so much, you finally, you finally get it. Just, I don't know, you, just somehow, you somehow just get it one day. And it's this physical epiphany, you're just flying along and you feel the wind um, blowing in your face. It's um, just one of the, the best feelings, I love it. And I think, <laughs> <laughs> thank you Fiona. Where are your bikes? Are they outside? <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Did you feel ecstatic coming to church? Oh, excellent. I encourage all of us to try that. Um, 
Yeah. I think when we were all younger in our faith journey, there were probably some unforgettable moments like my feeling of um, cycling for the, uh, riding a bike properly for the first time. These unforgettable feelings, the feeling that uh, when we're young in our faith journey, it feels like we're part of something really special and we feel like there's this adventure ahead of us. And then life goes on and, and we have jobs to do and rent to pay. And so it goes. But that's, yeah, that's, that's really what I wanted to talk about today. Um, what does it mean to keep our hearts and minds uh, on things that are above? How do, we, how do we maybe hold on to some of those unforgettable feelings of um, our young faith when we first really got it? How do we keep our hearts and minds on things that are above when we are constantly being pulled down into this inertia of everyday life? Eugene Peterson says, There often comes a time after we have become familiar with the ideas and beliefs of the Christian faith that we lose the cantering rhythms of poetry and we settle into plodding workhorse prose when the flashing world of the imagination gets submerged under the heavier, greyer world of conduct. <laughs> Does anyone sort of get, do you, do you know what that, do you get that? You know, do we, I think we all sort of know what that can feel like. Uh, but the real key, and uh, what I really picked up from this book, The Magnificent Journey by James Bryan Smith, was, and I know this is all familiar to us, but, it's so much more than just sin management, isn't it? This um, this journey that we're on. It's uh, and it's it's. I think it's, it's such a seasonal thing as well. So we come here and we gather and um, keeping our minds and hearts. On things above, it means letting our imaginations being washed again in the story of God, and I hope that's what happens when we when we come here, especially during worship. You know, every week we we gather, which in itself is an act of worship, and we sing these songs about who God is, and we sing about what God's doing, we sing about what God has done and what God has promised, and we come here because we've had that taste. You know, we've had we've got that. Memory. We we know, we remember what it was like to be young and new in the faith, and we um, we've got that taste, or we've had some experience at some point in our lives, or maybe we've grown up with it, and we just feel it deep down in our bones, and we can't really put words to it, but we just know that God is good, and we just know that we want to know God more. Uh, so for me. You know, I grew up um, with faith, and but I came to Urban about 15 years ago, uh, and I had I'd never really been encouraged like that before. Before I came to Urban, I I'd grown up knowing God, and I was well looked after, but I don't think I ever felt like I was really worth that much. But the environment of encouragement that I encountered when I came into this church community, which has evolved and grown but stayed the same over so many years you know that environment of encouragement was just it was like learning to ride a bike for the first time it was just this incredible feeling that 
is unforgettable. And that's, you know, that's what's kept me here. <laughs> when, you, when you get a glimpse of God like that, your desire out of that experience, it, your desire to, to grow, it just sort of comes naturally. Your desire to keep your, eye and your eyes and your heart and mind on things above. Eugene Peterson, he puts it like this. <laughs> just bear with me. It's a little bit corny, but it works. Imagine a young man heading off on a walk across town to see a girl he really likes. And he, seeing her, that's the goal of his walk. She's very much alive in his thoughts. He can't keep her out of his mind. In passing a shop, he remembers her favorite chocolates, and he buys some. In passing a church, he gazes at it, thinking about how she said that maybe she'd like to be married there one day. And seeing his reflection in a window, he straightens his tie and he fixes his hair. And by the time he gets to her door, there's a whole bunch of things he's done. And they're all caused by the girl in his imagination. So she was in his conduct. Pretty good, eh? Your imaginations, it'll be just like that. God will be in our purposes, and God is in our aspirations. But then here's the more profound thing. It's sort of, this sort of works in reverse, uh, because the more profound thing, of course, is that God came first. God made us, and God knit us together in the womb, and God came for us before we turned to God. Paul tells the church to seek what's above in Colossians 3 because we have died and risen with Christ and our lives are hidden in Christ. And it's a really significant time, I think, to be thinking about this as we get closer to Easter because that journey to Resurrection Sunday is the first step towards our resurrection. So maybe that's something we could hold on to over the next few weeks is as we look at the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection, let's remember that he, we have, we've died and we've risen with him and our lives are hidden in him. James Bryan Smith, he's got another book called Hidden in Christ and in there he says, I am one in whom Christ dwells. Can you flick to the next slide, Caleb? And one more. I am one in whom Christ dwells. And if he willingly gave his life for me out of love and has taken my life into his, then he must be crazy about me. This identity is not precarious. It will never change. I did not earn it, and I cannot lose it. And that's... That's what grace is. I did not earn it, and I cannot lose it. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And I think that's what it's so easy for me to forget anyway. It's in the, in the everyday, you know, in the day-to-day -day life, it's easy to forget that. So that's why we keep our sights set. We keep our eyes on the bigger picture. So to be Christian is to keep our eyes on the bigger picture. We kill off the selfishness of our 
earthly natures. And maybe we walk with God in bringing justice to our earthy nature around the world. In Romans 8, Paul says, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the life on the spirit is life and peace. To set the mind on our selfish desires is death, but to set our lives on God's spirit is life and peace. So we often see this sort of language from Paul throughout his letters. And many of us may consider ourselves born again, or uh, maybe we've, we've been uh, born again in our faith journey. Now that comes from John chapter 3, which is another similar uh, bit of language um, in the New Testament. When Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he says, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. In a more fitting translation, you'll often see that Jesus actually says, unless they're born from above. There's that word above again. I wonder why, um, just as a side note, I wonder why we have this thing about, as humans, this thing about above. You know, if you look through the scriptures, it's always, there's so much talk of heaven and above. And maybe... Maybe we, as humans, are just so familiar with uh, the weight of gravity, you know, like we, we just don't know really, we really don't know what it feels like to really fly. Unless we're on a really good bike ride, maybe. But uh, it's this, it's, it's, a, it's a metaphorical thing to, and uh, as you see through the scriptures, to, to be talking, ab- to see this language of heaven above. I mean, when we look up, we do see incredible grand skies, and maybe that's why, but what Paul is talking about and what Jesus talks about is this other dimension, this other dimension of reality, this even more real dimension that we have to look forward to, which is, so it's not, it's not God above. And I was actually just um, this morning looking out on the bookshelf out there, and there's um, a great book, which I think a lot of us will know, called Simply Christian by Tom Wright. And he has a whole few chapters of uh, talking about this um, trick of um, Platonism and Christianity that we need to s- let go of, because it's not God above who's going to suck us away from earth eventually, but it's it's a new reality, and it's a dimension. It's the kingdom of God which is moving here and now, not somewhere else. Still, the word above is helpful. keeps us from looking at our toes all the time. Um, so to be born from above, as Jesus says in John 3. Now that can have quite a difference. That can make a, quite a difference to our perspective, if we're you know going from thinking about being born again to being born from above, as James Bryan Smith says, being born again it might have been for us a one-off thing, which we thought meant being saved. You know, I'm born again, I'm saved, that's it, cool, I'm good from here on. But to be born from above means that we're pilgrims in the world. To be born from above means that we're pilgrims in the world. We're not tourists. Tourists um, turn up somewhere and they pay their money and they get entertained, consume everything they can and leave. But pilgrims, they don't go seeking the next hot spot. 
we are travelers with a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. It's such, such a good line for, um, for us, especially if we've been walking in the faith for, for quite a while. It's actually from um, Friedrich Nietzsche, but um, Eugene Peterson took it for the title of one of his books. A long obedience in the same direction. And that means that every new day we face, when we wake up, I just got the lines of that song in my head <laughs> from the moment that I wake up. Um, every new day we face, from the moment that we wake up, we're looking above. We're looking over the horizon. We're asking God what God is doing in our world. So there it is. The mystery and the person of God, of Jesus Christ, is there in our imagination and in our purpose every day. Now for me, uh, I find that really tough. Like it's so easy to talk about. Yeah, you know, I wake up and God's right there in my thoughts. But this is, um, this is the whole point of this series that we're talking about is um, how we can keep thriving with, our spiritual, uh, with spiritual growth. For me, I find it really tough, especially with the job, which um, Emma mentioned before, to keep my eyes on the things above because I'm usually looking down at my phone. Uh, but yeah, this world is no friend to grace. And um, we're so lucky, you know, like this community that we live in because, yeah, grace is just such a, grace is so normal here. We've been given a love and a peace that we did nothing to earn. The world is no friend to grace, especially in the daily news media. There's... Um, we sort of operate on judgment and crude dualisms of right and wrong or, you know, heartbreaking court stories or gallows humor. Um, yeah, the world is no friend to grace. Uh, but last week, I, I really realized this last week, we had this um, great interview, this brilliant interview on our program with the Anglican Bishop of Christchurch who is encouraging Christian leaders around New Zealand to say that they will be getting the COVID-19 vaccine when they can. And now he said, this is an act of loving our neighbor. You know, to be vaccinated is to help keep others from being exposed to the virus, the least of these, those who are most vulnerable. Now, um, I wrote up the interview and I posted it on our Facebook page, um, but within hours there were at least 600 comments and most of them were pretty awful um, and many many of them were from people who were claiming to be Christian while rambling through conspiracy theories about the vaccine and wishing the bishop would die of the virus and so I ended up just pulling the post because I didn't have time to uh, monitor all of the comments so um, yeah it's um, I don't know if it's a good idea to be <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, I feel like I want to be here to encourage us, but um, it's, I think it's also worth remembering that um, we are pilgrims in a world that is not always a friend to grace. So we carry something incredibly special. We don't know how lucky we are. Grace flows through the veins of this church. This is our identity. It, it flows through the veins of our community. And we're, we're just so, I just, every time we gather, I just feel so lucky that we've got that.
we're such thoughtful people. We're thinkers. We're um, doers. We're open to the mystery of God and we're open to the experience of God's peace that we can't explain. But we don't turn off our brains either. So, yeah, that, that old joke's been sort of going through my head this week. You know, the one about the, the guy who gets washed out to sea and uh, another swimmer comes along and offers to save him. He says, oh, no, 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 I'll be fine. God will save me. And a boat comes along and offers to save me. He says, no, no, I'll be fine. God will save me. And helicopter, rescue helicopter comes along and he says, no, no, God's going to save me. And he drowns and uh, eventually faces God and says, where were you? <laughs> we're so blessed to live in a time where science gives us such a quality of life and um, medicine development is done in uh, such a rigorous and systematic way we're incredibly blessed um, and by no means do I say that the church I think the church still has such a prophetic voice you know um, I was reading an article uh, a few weeks ago about how maybe only a dozen or so children with Down syndrome were born in Scandinavia last year. And that's because um, people get, uh, they get scanned and they choose to abort them. Um, and so that's part of our, I think bioethics is, is a place in science and medicine where we can still have a really prophetic voice and we can still speak for life, you know. But anyway, overall, I want to go back to saying that we are really blessed to live in a time where we have such quality of life. And where we live in a society where our science and where our medicine is really well monitored, where everything gets run through MedSafe before it turns up on our shelves. So if there's one thing that I could strongly encourage all of us to do as a church, something that's on my heart at the moment, is that we would love our neighbour and we would get the COVID-19 vaccine. And that if there are moments where um, we are speaking with family and friends who, who think differently or who might have heard something which we know is wrong, that we would be able to speak the truth to people with grace. So that's something which has been on my heart lately. That's one example, I think, of living with our eyes set on things above. Well, you know when our primary purpose is to, to do the least, uh, to do what we can for the least of these, as Jesus said. So it's a long obedience in the same direction. We need each other to be able to do that. Um, it's been really hard, eh? Like last year was really tough. And uh, you can, I get inspired by books I've read or films I've seen, but there's nothing like actually physically being together and singing together and praying together. It's, um, it's really what we need. We get filled up and we, we, there's that experience of the Holy Spirit that you just can't really put words to. The other week, Emma, she also showed us how spiritual practices can help maintain that pilgrimage and give us fresh glimpses of who God is, the Lectio Divina is a really um, beautiful way of doing that. And I'm trying to do more of that. I need to do more of that, especially, uh, well, I think all we all do, because I, I don't think my job is any different. I think all you know, in all of our jobs, we find those um, trying times. So for me, yeah, it's uh, 
I just love to simply try and read through a gospel or listen to one, um, an audiobook of the, a gospel or uh, watching a good film, something by Terence Malick maybe, um, or going for a bike ride, the feeling of flying, or getting out amongst the earthy things. So that's all I've got to say. Why don't we uh, stand and before we take communion, maybe we can um, just meditate on, on Psalm 121. <laughs>